Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of Desi Books, news and views about Desi literature from the world over. I'm your host, Jenny Bart. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, we have Tara Isabel Zambrano in Desi Craft Chat, talking about flash fiction, her new collection, Death, Desire, and Other Destinations, came out on September 15th. We also have Maddie Sinner giving us her favorite Desi reads in Desi Boost. Her new novel, White Coat Diaries, also came out on September 15th. At the end of the episode, I'm going to share a bit of news about a monthly book club called Desi Books in Translation. Stay tuned for that as well. And now sit back and enjoy. In Notable New Books for September. You can find all the titles mentioned in this new book segment at bookshop.org, which benefits local independent booksellers directly. Go to bookshop.org slash lists slash daisy dash books dash 2020. This is a US-based site, so my apologies to non-US listeners, but you can still see the list of all the books that have come out in 2020 and been mentioned on the podcast. September has been a busier month for books this year because of many getting deferred from spring and summer. I covered quite a lot in the last episode, so we've only got two more here to add for September. That said, if I'm missing any new notable books by writers of South Asian origin, feel free to tag the Desi Books account on uh, Twitter or Instagram to let me know. The social media links will be in the transcript and on the website. First up, we have Seven by Farzana Doctor. It's a novel based on the real-life practice of female genital mutilation or cutting. It's also an intergenerational novel set across um, the East and the West. Purple Lotus is Veena Rao's debut novel. It's about an Indian-American woman finding her agency and a new path in life. Until, of course, the past returns. In today's Desi Craft Chat segment, we've got Tara Isabel Zambrano. Tara moved to the U.S. from India a couple of decades ago. Her full-time job is as a semiconductor chip designer, but she also writes these amazing works of flash fiction, for which she's been nominated for and won several awards. Her first collection of these uh, is in a book titled Death, Desire and Other Destinations. And it's out now. It's about love and loss and longing and a whole lot more. The narratives move smoothly across the real and surreal, 
lyrical and magical, sci-fi and speculative. Dara and I talked about the craft of flash fiction and her own journey to publishing. So sit back and enjoy the conversation. Uh, welcome, Tara, and I'm very happy to have you to, on today's episode for Desi Craft Chat. And we're going to talk about a craft form that you love and that your entire new book is based on, which is flash fiction. So I'm very excited to discuss this with you because though I do write a bit of flash, I don't write it often enough because I know it's a very difficult form to get right so let's let's chat a little bit about that and let's start with the brevity so flash is usually fiction that's less than a thousand words or so and what does a story to you what does a story gain by that brevity and what do you think it loses if anything Okay, first of all, Jenny, uh, thank you so much for you know hosting this. Uh, for me, this is my debut book and it's a flash fiction book. Um, and so this is really, really special for me. So, you know, my uh, gratitude. <laughs> um, and so uh, coming to your question uh, about flash fiction um, is, and again, different journals define it differently but it's it's correct like you said it's usually fiction that's less than a thousand words uh, a lot of people think even a thousand words are a lot and so they mm. go mostly with somewhere between 300 words and 500 words so that's even more compressed um what it's so for me flash is you know if i have to just define it quickly it's brief it's urgent and it's apparent in its conflict because you, you just don't have the space to describe everything. And so Flash is somewhere in between of a longer story and finished long before the longer story falls away neatly. Um, you, you pick something in between and you expand on it just to show a human condition or an image or anything that can resonate with the readers. And you just present that. Um, for me, I have been mostly writing flash. So, you know, my mind is more, you know, in, in sync with it rather than short stories or novels, because I feel like those are harder for me. I don't have the patience. I, I, I just feel like there's just too much work. Um, um, again, coming to another question that you asked, what does a story gain by it and what's lost? I think a story is anything that you could relate to uh, in in my opinion and if if even if i show you a glimpse of of a of a human condition in in some form in less words i think that's sometimes more than enough um, what's lost in a flash could be you know finer details of a story that make it more of a complete uh, detailed picture uh, and these details, while they complete the picture, they make the picture more, uh, you know, um, as, as, as a bigger picture, you might say, they are not urgent to that conflict that I'm representing by Flash. 
So I hope that answers your question. Yes, yes, it does. And I think to your point, um, uh, the two, there are two key words you mentioned there, compressed and the urgency. And, you know, being able to tell the whole, you know, give at least the arc or the shape of a story. I found that in some of your stories here, like, for example, Mumtaz from Burhanpur. I just, that story just stayed with me quite a bit after I read it. I, I'm not sure I can even articulate exactly why, but um, I, I think it was kind of, you know, I was thinking of it as, it, it gives you the tip of that iceberg, but then there's so much, there's so much you've layered into it. So there is that, you know, sense of compression, but there is a sense of urgency as well. And then the other one that I really liked, uh, because that one, even though it's so brief, but you kind of give me this entire story in those in that brevity, which was Ghost Korma. I thought that was just like, there's a whole story there, right? Um, so yeah, I, I, I hear you on on keeping the compression and the urgency. And But that's why to me, it's harder because I feel like it's harder to get that kind of compression. You have to do so much editing. And I think with, with what you've done with that compression and uh, the urgency, I found it came across with many singular lines that to me read like poetry. You know, I'll give you, like I wrote down a couple of examples, like whiskey blooms inside us or tar rose shone as if paved with diamonds. I thought that there's a lot of poetry, right, in, in here? Yes, yes. And I, I think that's the urgency, in my opinion, is to give you an image that you don't easily forget um, because that's all I have. Right, that that that's mm. that's the sense of that's the mo making most of the words that I'm given. So if I were to just write a tarot, okay, yes, it it comes correctly in your imagination as it should. But then, what could make it stand out was like like diamonds. And you know, if you if you have ever seen a tarot at night and you know light falling on it, or if there was rain, you could you could immediately connect to that image. And so in, in, in a fewer words, I'm trying to give you the picture um, by not exactly using a thousand words. So, um, so that's my intent. Yes, no, and it works. It definitely works. So that's, yeah, those stayed with me. So, yeah. And, and so tell me, you know, so you just mentioned also how you write mostly flash, right? So what draws you to it? more so than, you know, the novel form or the short story, as you just said. What What is it about Flash that, you know, draws you so much to it? You've got an entire collection coming out. And again, we don't see a lot of Flash fiction collections. This is very rare. And, and that's for two reasons. One, that it's difficult, I believe. And two, publishers maybe don't know how to market it properly, right? So tell me what draws you to it. Okay, so I, I just have to give you a little background. So when I uh, came to US, I was, you know, obviously not very confident of my writing and uh, you know, English is my second language because I grew up in India. Um, and so I started writing a blog, I started writing, you know, some few daily events, diary entries kind of things. And then somehow I started writing poetry, actually. So this is, this is how poetry is connected to Flash, because you know, I, I find a prose poem sort of in between those two 
um, you know, boundaries, if you will. And uh, so I started writing poetry and then I found this website, uh, maybe you're familiar with it, it's called Fictionaut. It's, it's sort of a fiction workshop for, for writers. And you are, um, you know, you can only join by invitation. Um, so I, I was intrigued by it because I could read the stories on, on that side, but I could not comment or I could not post my own story because I wasn't a member at that time. So I figured out that I have to contact some XYZ to, to become a member. And uh, so I took a chance. I just uh, sent an email out and fortunately I was in. And so once I, I went there, I, I saw a lot of writers who have been, by the way, writers all throughout their life, um, not like me, you know, just trying to be a writer. And I, I saw this form and it was, it was very interesting to me because I, I found it, oh, um, you know, with my job and everything else, I can probably just write like a thousand words, you know, easily, like in a couple of days, maybe. And uh, I could still tell, tell a story in a very effective way by, by, by following this form. So that's what, you know, drew me to it because I have a day job and it, it just felt very convenient in the beginning um, to, to do that. So then I started writing something, um, you know, I think my first story on that site was called Cutting My Daughter's Hair. So it, it just started with, you know, that, that line. And, and, you know, I started writing, 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 and then it, it became a story, sort of a story or a flash story. And then I posted it and I got like a lot of uh, uh, good comments on it. And so I thought, okay, I, I can probably do this. Um, and while all of that was happening, I, I, I met another uh, woman writer um, and, and she reached out to me actually. And she said that, oh, I, I really like your voice. It's, it's very different from what I have ever read on the site. So if you ever need help with, you know, your grammar and stuff like that, so just, just send me an email and I'll, I'll help you with that. So uh, her name was Sally. So Sally helped me a lot with my grammar, with my punctuation, with, you know, because my English was, uh, it, it was okay, but it wasn't like up to the publishing level at that time. So she just, uh, you know, pushed me to do better and better and better. And I think a lot of my flash ability comes from that exercise because she always told me, you can't have, you know, abstract stuff in flash. You need to have very concrete images because that is what, the reader should connect to immediately if they're reading your story. Um, and I think with practice, with, uh, you know, some scolding from her, um, I, I just was set out to excel uh, because that's how I am. I, I just take on a challenge and I just feel like, oh, I have to excel just for myself, if not for anybody else. So that's how I, I came to this form. And that's how I kind of took it as a challenge. And then it, it's almost an addiction now. Um, well, and Sally, you mentioned, I know, to, is that the same Sally in your acknowledgments? There, there's a yes. Sally in there. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, that, that, but that's great that you, and you, you called her a mentor in there, I noticed. So yeah, that's um, amazing that you were able to connect with and find somebody because, you know, a lot of writers like you and me who kind of had a day job while we were doing our writing 
it's not easy to you know we don't have that literary network right like mfa writers might and so you're kind of trying to get through um and so it's great i'm 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 happy to hear that you did have this friend or mentor who was able to help you um that's great and and so you mentioned that she she gave you this one among many one very important uh piece of advice which was to not have abstractions but to have something concrete along those lines with a flash fiction piece what other elements whether explicit or implicit do you think are most necessary for a flash fiction piece for it to feel whole for it to have that compression the urgency and and the things that you mentioned okay so um so one thing i wanted to just expand on sally's mm-hmm. um you know mentoring is that um she pushed me hard and and i i i i found i i never took it as an uh, you know um as some sort of offense on my writing because i i knew that she was helping me you know she was trying to get the best that i can be because somehow she saw the potentials even when i didn't see it um and i i that's what i find hard to do now these days is because i'm very careful in giving feedback because i'm not sure if somebody would receive it in the right um you know frame or might consider that you know i'm a writer i'm established so i can't um you know i i i should only give very constructive free um, you know feedback so that nobody feels bad about it but between me and sally that was never the case so it was a free flow in that manner and i think to an extent with the kind of person i am i excel uh, when somebody pushes me and and i think she realized that too so uh, you know that that was one reason that i could reach this far uh, i i just wanted to add that mm. um so coming back to the elements of uh, you know flash fiction i think uh, in a good flash you need to have the artistic elements of uh your characters meaning your characters have to be defined even with one line you know you 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 saw my uh, for example mumtaz and burhanpur right she's a guide mm-hmm. with banana in her teeth something like that i wrote and and that actually tells you that you know she's of a okay she might be of a certain age group and she's doing this and and, and she's hurrying to her job so i mean that 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 sets a nice uh just enough framework for you to imagine her in your mind so you need that uh character setting conflict and also while you're doing that you have to have in my opinion a very nice spread of language imagery and sort of poetic like you you said or a rhythm and what's most important for me in all my stories is to build some sort of a surprise not something like clever or tricky but something that you have been preparing right from the start so that if the reader goes back and look um, that you know feeling that he or she was tricked you know and towards the end it shouldn't look like that um and that i think takes a lot of practice that takes a lot of imagination that takes a lot of hard work uh, and that's yes. probably the most hardest thing to do in flash 
I, I would agree. I think to your point, it you know, I read a book and I reviewed it a couple of years ago by an academic called Vera Tobin. And Vera Tobin wrote about the element of surprise in fiction. Now, she was saying kind of what you're saying, which is you have to foreshadow it. You ha- the, the reader has to be able to look back and feel like they weren't tricked in doing so. But the way that she described it in the book you know, she talked about these building blocks of how you get there. And I, I was just thinking, as you were saying that about Flash, is that you, with the brevity, you have to be so careful. You don't have that many building blocks to play with, right? So you you really have to think through how you're going to set up that element of surprise so that it seems inevitable, but not, you know, um, implausible, right? So... Right. Right. So I think I, I hear you on that. And that makes a lot of sense to me on, on the along those lines. So tell me, give me an example from one of those stories, if it comes to mind, from one of the stories in your collection where you maybe struggled a little bit with adding that element of surprise and then how you might have handled it. So when I started uh, writing Mumtaz and Burhanpur, I wanted to write a historical piece of fiction and uh, historical fiction, rather. And um, I wanted to enter this contest, um, you know, where it was placed, by the way, in, in a bad city review contest. So, and they had a word limit of 400 words, I believe. Um, so when I started writing it, I had some of an idea of the ending. Um, I had to bring the Taj Mahal into it because obviously it was about, you know, Mumtaz Mahal. So, but I didn't know how to get there because I, I had to make that connection very quickly because otherwise, you know, the piece wouldn't work. So I started writing it and I brought a boy in, into the story and I brought, you know, some sort of a love story in there. And I had to, then I, then it clicked to me that the girl could, even though she's a guide, um, I could make her obsessed with Mumtaz Mahal. And I could make her almost like she's wanting to mimic Mumtaz Mahal in her real life. Um, and that would be interesting. Uh, but again, I, was, I had this challenge of less number of words. Um, so, so, so as I started writing it, so I, I, I think I wrote it like within maybe two weeks or something, I mean, editing and everything. Um, once I kind of put everything in there, it was maybe 600, 700 words. And then I started cutting it out. I started putting in more concrete images, like, you know, how Sally taught me. And I started putting it all together. And then I showed it to a re- you know, a friend of mine who read it at that time and she loved it. And so I was like, okay, now maybe I should enter it in a contest. <laughs> And it, it got placed. I mean, it was it was a finalist piece. Um, so, 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 you know, I mean, it, it, it depends. Like sometimes I have no idea when I'm starting a story, how I'm going to end it. You know, same thing goes for Ghost Gorma. I, I started it. I made it all bad for the narrator. You know, I mean, she's in a terrible condition. She's in a bad situation and all that. But I somehow wanted to bring some hope in that story and it's very hard to do that when you are in a in a bleak situation like that um so i brought in some spirituality i think um and and the angle of mother because you know what else do you hold on to 
um, in, mm. in if you're if you're God forbid in, in a situation like that is 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 a, is a foreign memory and that memory has to be very simple uh, because you know um, so many things have happened since you were pretty young um, so that's how I I tend to make a connection in my head and I think um, it also comes from the fact that I'm in my day job I'm a very logical and a rational engineer, you know, that's how my brain works. So it has to make sense to me when I'm writing a story, it has to have a good cause and effect that the reader can, you know, say, okay, I understand how it's happening. They, they should not feel lost just because I am taking them on some, you know, ghost trip or whatever. Um, so so that is very important to me. If, if it doesn't happen in my story, then I abandon it because I, I don't, as an engineer, I, I cannot look at it and say, hey, I like it because there's a plausible, you know, reason for this to happen. Um, so that plays a big role in making my stories, how, how no matter how absurd or how awkward they are, some somewhat believable. So that plays a big role. for No, me well. I, um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'm nodding my head all the way through as you were just talking there because... <laughs> I'm also an engineer. My, that's my background. I've been. I did it for more than 25 years, and so okay, I have wow. that same. Uh, yeah, I have that same sense of when I'm doing. You know, when I'm writing a story, even if I'm writing magical realism or surrealism, somehow it has to have. You know, some logic to it, some rationality to it. You know, even when I'm writing about ghosts and talking ghosts and whatever, you know, it has to have, make some sense. So I totally get what you're saying. Right. Um, you know, so, okay, so let me talk about now, I want to talk about titles because, well, two reasons. One is I personally struggle with them. <laughs> um, and also I know that with Flash, I feel like with Flash, because you've already, you've got that brevity. And so to some extent, you want your title to also tell a bit of a story and, and kind of just pull the reader in. And, and I know, for example, you know, just some of the titles of your stories, some are just descriptive, like Mumtaz of Burhanpur or Ghost Korma, but then some of them, you know, you've played with language a little. Uh, and in fact, so, so that's one part of my question, titles of individual stories and how you choose them. And then the second question related is I want to I want you to shed some light on the title of your collection because I I got the part where there's you know it's death um, desires and other destinations and I got the loss and the longing there's a lot of loss and longing in all of these stories but if you could speak a little bit to the other destinations part uh, for our listeners okay so starting with um, titles, yes, titles are key to a good flash. Um, but there are a lot of good flash uh, pieces that I have read that had very simple titles. You know, I mean, my cousin in Vietnam, or or you know, something very um, matter of fact. You know, kind of just 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 saying this is what it is. And but when you read the flash, you might um, stumble upon a lot of. Uh, interesting elements, which you may not judge from just looking at the title. Um, so it, it, it's, it's something that I have played with a lot. Uh, and sometimes it's, um, I would say it's a very creative 
side of my brain that comes up with a title which may just be an instinctive thing rather than a, a, a logical thought. Um, so for example, I, I just had a story published uh, this past week in uh, Alien Lit and it has like a three uh, line long title. Um, I, was, I was playing with it. So what I did was there was there was a setting to the story. And so I decided to make that setting as my title so that the rest of the, the thing is free for me to write after what after that that is there, after that setting is there, then what happens? So sometimes I do that. And a lot of times editors go with the titles that I have. Sometimes they don't like it. They, they say, hey, you know, I think the story would be better if you can think of couple other titles. So I'm, I'm very fluid in that manner. You know, I don't try to attach myself too much to my art uh, because I feel like if I do that, then I can't improve it. And if somebody is telling me, um, you know, why don't you give it a second thought and, and come up with something else, I'm, I'm all, all game to try that. So, so, so I'm very flexible if, if with, with that part and that applies to the titles as well as the stories. Um, the other, um, there, there is one, one piece, uh, if, if you may remember, it's called We Are Waiting to Hear Our Names. Um, mm. it's, uh, it's mostly a poetic piece. It's like a progression of life of, of a couple from the time mm. they meet and the time they die. And I just, in that case, I just, I just thought what was the most effective line in my whole story. And I picked it up and I made it a title. So when you read that title, maybe you are interested in the story, right? That's because the title is like a hook that wants you to get inside the door, right? You just don't want to stay there outside wondering or whether I should spend my time on this or not, to me at least. So, so I, I try to come up with things that, that could engage you right from the beginning. Um, whether it's a conflict, mm -hmm. whether it's a poetic line, whether sometimes it's just a, a single word. Um, you know, the last story uh, in my collection, I believe it's called Shedding. I, I went through back and forth on that one, trying to come up with a title. And I had a hard time because that story is, is, is again, uh, one of magic realism story. And a lot happens in that story that I can't really say, okay, this is where you know my piece lies right um and and so i picked up something that was more generic and it could you know encompass the whole story um so that's that's how i arrive at the titles um, if i hope i answered your question there um and yes um, and regarding the uh title of my book so uh when i was uh putting together these stories i was I just, you know, asked on Twitter, I mean, you know, for all the people who have been reading my work for, for a couple of years now, you know, if I have to uh, put my stories together, um, because they're not a part of series, right? They're not a part of like a continuation of like a flash novella or, or something like that. They're just very distinct, very different stories. So how would I, um, so people immediately, some of them, uh, responded, uh, some said smell, some said, one said uh, death and desire. And so, because that's what you write about mostly. 
So yes, I, I looked at that and I said, okay, yeah, that, that sounds like that could fit, um, you know, all these stories into a, into a very cohesive uh, kind of collection. If I say that it is about death and desire, but then I have other stories. Um, for example, if you uh, read about lunar love, um, it's about a couple um, going to moon to exchange their vows. And I felt like there's more to it than desire, right? There is a desire because it's a, it's a, it's a couple, uh, but then there is also this travel to the moon. And again, um, I ha somehow have a tendency to, you know, use moon a lot in my stories. So that's like, that's like a distance, right? And when there is a distance, there is a destination. There's, there's some sort of a travel, whether that travel is within yourself, whether that travel is outside, um, you know, or, or more like a, a metaphor for your journey in life, something you can say. And so that's how I arrived at that part of the title of my book. Got it. Yep. That makes a lot of sense now because I've been, I was going through that and I was thinking, I wonder if that's what she did with the other destinations part, or I wonder if there's something more to it. So that totally explains it. Thank you. Sure. Cool. Um, okay. And give us your favorite um, flash writers. Who, who <laughs> do you kind of look forward to? And they don't have to be South Asian, but just who are your favorites? Um, Jenny, if I may be honest, um, there are just so many people that I read and sometimes even mm -hmm. the, you know, even my favorite uh, writers that, you know, I, I have read often, um, I don't connect with their work, uh, to be honest. And I'm sure mm -hmm. somebody doesn't connect with my work at some times as well. So I would rather you know, my, my favorite thing to do is that if a journal puts out a new issue that I really like, um, you know, a, a journal that I really admire and I really, really like, because irrespective of the writers, they are always, always putting out very top-notch stuff. And to me, that is how, that is what I go after. That is what I'm hungry for, is, is a good flash. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter to me who wrote it, because sometimes it could be mm -hmm. a completely new writer like a 16 year old or 17 year old. And I'm just, I'm just amazed at the clarity, you know, they bring mm. that some that I can't and, and a lot of writers that I know haven't so far. So I'm, I, I want to be amazed by that. I don't want to know who wrote it. Uh, that, that part comes later to me, if, if that makes sense. Um, so, so I, I tend to, you know, read everything, for example, if, if Smoke Long Quarterly, if you're familiar with that journal, um, they, they publish flash fiction, um, mm -hmm. they, they publish out very good stuff, in my opinion. Then the other one is Wigleaf, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. then there's Jellyfish, there, there's just like Adroit, for example, I mean, they publish some flash, not all, but whatever they publish, it's like, it's so dreamy for me. It's like, ah, I'm get, I, I get inspired and that's what I want to read rather than, you know, mm -hmm. saying, okay, this is the writer. And, and they're all good writers. I mean, I, I can learn something from each one of them. Um, but my, my, my thirst comes from, you know, reading a good flash, irrespective of mm -hmm. who wrote it. Oh, that's a, that's a fair answer. And yes, I'm familiar with those, um, you know, literary journals you've mentioned. 
uh, Smoke Long and, and Wigleaf are my favorites for Flash as well. So yeah, definitely. Um, I don't write it much, so I don't submit to them, but um, I do go and read them from time to time. So uh, for sure. Um, I have two, two more quick questions. Sure. So one is, what's next for you? So you've got, okay, so you've got this book coming out, like me, it's coming out in the pandemic, it's coming yes. out right before the elections, it's coming out in the month of September when there's going to be a whole lot of books. So, I mean, you know, if we've got the deck stacked against us, you know, this is this is it. Right. So um, it, that's tough, but, you know, it is what it is, and we're, we're going to go ahead and launch our books and do whatever's needed. But what's next after this book is out? What are you working on next? So I have been writing a lot to be honest with you. And that's the only way I think I can get away from a sort of madness that, you know, comes with the promotion of your book. You know, you, you have to mm. answer so many interview questions and, and you have to do it, right? It's a part of you, mm. you're promoting your, 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 um, your baby. So it's, it's, it's essential, but at times it gets to you. Um, I'm sure you, you have, you might have felt the same thing. Um, and, and so, I, I feel like the only way I can still be in love with my writing is to keep writing, is to keep submitting, is to, you know, getting rejected, you know, kicked here, there, and then say, okay, now I'm going to write this better. So, so that, that is the essential um, part why this book is out is because of that obsession I have, that itch I have, which I call writing. And I don't at any point want to give, you know, give it up just for even for a few months, if, even if my book. So I do that. So I write a lot. I tend to get published a lot. Also, I get rejected a lot too. So that keeps me, you know, in that, in that same mindset, it, it actually keeps me very grounded. Um, to be honest, I mean, it, it makes me feel like, oh, I have a long way to go. So what if I have a book coming mm. out, right? I'm, I'm still, I'm still a new writer. Mm. I'm, I still have a long way to go. I have to learn so much. Then um, next, actually, to be honest with you, I have maybe 50 or 60 flash pieces outside of this mm -hmm. book. So <laughs> if, I, if I wanted to go with another book at this time, I could possibly do that as well, but I, I don't want to do that. I, I just want to take a break after this and I just want to keep writing. I want to keep reading keep getting published and then when the time is right maybe come up with the next collection sounds good sounds good and yes i think that um i i really want more people to read this collection of yours because it's just you know full of brilliant pieces and um so i i, I you know, I'll make sure we, we get this, the word out there as much as possible. Um, I've read your writing in journals before I came to connect with you. And so I always saw the name and I would oh. say, oh, you know, there, okay. there's a bit of, you know, there's a little bit of that Indian, um, you know, setting or Indian name sure. or, you know, so right. I, I'd read your pieces here and there and um, and then we finally connected. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. Um, let me ask my last question. And that is, um, I ask this of every writer and, you know, some, some people get a little nervous about it because they can't just choose one, but, and so feel free to choose more than one, but who, or, or what is your one favorite Desi book and why? Okay, so again, like I read a, 
I have been reading a lot of flash fiction, I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. And so I haven't read a lot of, I would say, Desi, you know, books by Desi writers. But recently I ordered uh, Sejal Shah's This Is One Way to Dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have um, actually read her work in conjunctions quite a bit um, um, and maybe other venues as well. And I have been always mighty impressed with her, with her you know, with her writing in general, uh, whether it's her fiction, whether it's her essays. So this book particularly is her essays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love them because there's there's this connection that I make immediately because I was born and raised in India. Mm-hmm. And after I came here, you know, I raised my own kids, right? So I'm, I'm seeing the the differences, right? In, in the way that I was raised and no matter how hard I try, I. I can't replicate that here because it's just a different place. It's just a different surrounding. And so I, I connect with her, you know, writing in which she, in, in where she's talking about her Indianness, her, her, you know, language and her other traditions, you know, and, and what they mean to her um, having grown up here. Um, so I, I, I find that I haven't, I haven't finished it, but it's it's it, it, in the in the modern day i would say that's my favorite book mm. uh, for now so well no that's an excellent choice and sejal was on uh the podcast when her book came out and she also did oh, a craft chat okay. so she talked about the essay form and uh because that's what her book is but you know i think another reason why you might be liking her prose is because she's also a poet she started out as a poet right and she wrote you know, short fiction as well. So I think maybe there is that uh, synergy or that um, mutual appreciation probably because of the fact that you, your pedigree is the same and that, you know, you, you, you both um, started out as poets. Um, and that's evident in both your works. So excellent. Well, great. And I, and I think I, I have to read your book and I can you know probably <laughs> yeah who knows it might be my favorite book. <laughs> I don't know but you know I do need to send you my book I have to I kept thinking you're in the Dallas area and we have to meet in person I will give you the book in person but now yes you know how are we going to we'll, we'll have right. to like do social you know social distance meeting at uh, some you know right. cafe or something right. and sit six feet apart or something yeah. <laughs> um but that, that I I would so much look forward to that yes Jenny, that would be wonderful yes and I I really like to meet people I, I I want to know them because that's how your stories come to life right? right your stories come to life with your experience correct and maybe some of your imagination but I think it's mostly your experience that gives them that right mm-hmm. flavor that most people can connect and say, oh, yes, this is how it feels, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I, that's, I think there's no substitute to, to meeting people, um, uh, no matter how much we can do virtually. <laughs> right. No, and we'll work that out. We'll, we'll definitely do something. I think social, you know, even if we just have a six foot distance and meet in a, sure. in a park or somewhere, but we'll mm-hmm. meet up. Yes. Mm-hmm. So thank you mm-hmm. so much for this chat. I think it was, it was very fun. It was fun for me anyways. So I, I really appreciate yeah. it. And um, I want to wish you all the very best with this collection. And I'm going to be, cheering for you and cheering for this amazing book and I think more people need to read it because I just loved it and so thank you again for making the time and I really enjoyed the conversation
Today's Desi Boost is with Maddie Sinner. Maddie's a writer and a practicing physician who loves the nervous system, bookshops, tea with milk, and snarky conversation, but not necessarily in that order. Her debut novel, White Coat Diaries, is about a young doctor's struggle to survive residency, love, and life. She lives in New Jersey with her husband and two children. White Coat Diaries is being described as Grey's Anatomy meets Scrubs. It's more a coming-of-age novel than a romance novel. For a first book, it's pretty impressive for how it really gets into the life of a medical resident uh, dealing with disgruntled patients, sleep deprivation, and trying to be the perfect Indian daughter. And there's a big uh, moral dilemma at the heart of this novel. A fatal medical mistake happens, and the secrets and cover-ups begin. So here's Maddie Sinner sharing her three Desi works, uh, favorite Desi works, in Desi Boost. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me on. I am so excited to be here. My name is Maddie Sinha. I'm the author of The White Coat Diaries. And being a physician writer myself, I wanted to talk today about three of my favorite books by South Asian physician writers. And I'm going to start with The Night Theater by Vikram Parakar. That's out from Catapult. It was published in January 2020. And this is a magical realism, almost science fiction story about a surgeon in a village clinic in India. And the entire book takes place over the course of one night. Uh, the surgeon is overworked. He doesn't have the supplies he needs. He's burnt out. And frankly, he's not very nice. Um, burnout in physicians is something I talk about in my book, too. And I really appreciated the way this author um, described the phenomenon of burnout in this particular surgeon. Um, I have to say the surgeon's personality was familiar to me. Um, in, you know, in my work in the hospital, I've certainly encountered people who reminded me of this surgeon. Uh, and the story goes that one night this surgeon is visited by a family. It's a mom, a dad, and their young son. And they tell him that they're dead. And they're kind of like zombies. He describes them as sort of looking like people, but having bluish skin and not having any blood. Uh, and, and they're very nice and respectful uh, zombies. Um, he calls them ghosts and they've been murdered and they've been in the afterlife for some time. And an angel sent them back to earth and told them that if a surgeon repaired their wounds by morning, they could all live again. And this is just a fascinating, beautifully written story about faith, about belief. It has this existential waiting for Godot vibe to it. Um, and the author writes with such vividness about, uh, the human body, about surgery, about death and life, and it's really just riveting. The second book I'm going to talk about is Well-Behaved Indian Women by Somya Dave. Uh, that uh, was out July 2020, uh, so this summer from Berkeley. And this is a women's fiction about three generations of Indian women. 
Uh, the author is a psychiatrist and she writes with a lot of insight into relationships, especially the relationship between the main character, Simran, and her mother, Nandini, who is a doctor. And she explores the Indian immigrant experience, what it's like to be the child of immigrants. Um, and so many of the situations in this book felt so familiar to me as the child of immigrants. Um, so I really loved this book. And this is a book that I would take to the beach and I would be just as happy with it um, as if I were to talk about it in a book club and like really dissect it in a book club. Um, it's just very thoughtful, but it's also a page turner and really fun. So the last book I'm going to talk about is When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. This was published in 2016 from Random House. This is a memoir written by a neurosurgery resident who in the last year of his training at the age of 36 is diagnosed with metastatic lung cancer. And the memoir is about him coming to terms with his mortality. And it's, to me, just a masterpiece. I love memoirs, and this is definitely one of my favorites of all time. It's about a young man accepting his mortality, coming to terms with the end of his life, and at the same time, a celebration of language and finding the words to convey everything you want to convey at the end of your life. And it's a reflection on purpose and how we live, what it means to be a physician, and how we serve others. And the final chapter of the book was written by Paul Kalanithi's wife, Lucy, who's also a doctor, uh, after his death. And it's both heartbreaking and life-affirming at the same time, and I can't recommend this book enough. It's beautiful and will stay with you long after you put it down. So thank you so much. Uh, those are my three, three, recommend, three uh, book recommendations. Thank you so much, uh, Jenny, for having me on. I really appreciate um, being able to come and talk about these books that I love so much. I wanted to take a few minutes today to float an idea, a proposal that's been in the works for a while. And this was about a reading uh, book club um, that would be focused on books translated from South Asian languages. Ideally, we want books that are widely available in different geographic regions and where the translator might be available to discuss the books with us uh, at the end of the month. We'll finalize a book selection by social media poll after we've collected a few choices. And so um, there's a link that I will include in this transcript of this episode and uh, you should be able to find it on the theysebooks.co website as well. And this is where you'll be able to go and add your choice of Desi book in translation uh, for the uh, club. And we'll then put it up for poll so that everybody can vote. So please spread the word. And uh, let's see if we can get enough interest to get this club going. And the goal is simply to, you know, widen or increase the awareness for Desi books that are in translation. There's so much rich literature happening in our regional languages. And there's a lot of concerted 
effort going on um, by publishers and translators to bring some of these across into the English language for people to enjoy and appreciate. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of good reads that were missing because mainstream media doesn't tend to cover books in translation as well. And that's not just um, books from South Asia. Um, that's just generally speaking, books in translation don't get as much airtime. And yet there's a lot of rich, nuanced storytelling and different literary traditions that go on um, in these regional languages. And so let's try and bring some of that color and flavor and texture into our reading uh, and, and do join us. And please, if you have any suggestions or um, thoughts, uh, feel free to reach out on social media and let us know. Thank you. You've been listening to episode 16 of Desi Books, news and views about Desi literature from the world over. Episode 17 will be up in a couple of weeks. Follow on Twitter at Desi Books or Instagram at Desi.Books and tag the account if you have requests or suggestions. You can also email at HelloDesiBooks at gmail.com. The transcript will be up in the next 24 hours or so on the website, which is theycbooks.co. Stay healthy, keep reading, and write well.